Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm-mm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. Alrighty, that was a heck of a weekend. There were some good games, some not so great games. Uh, the Sunday night game on Fox and the evening game on Fox, I should call it, was pretty great. Mm-hmm. It was a very exciting game, compelling matchup. The one before it was compelling. Two la- yesterday, I guess not, not so much. But let's start with the game tonight because mm-hmm. there was it was such a fascinating game. Wilson versus Rogers. Wilson has had such a good year this yep. year. Rodgers has not had as good of a year yep. this year. And we talked a lot about how defense doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? You should not go into a game like this and try to use yep. the defense to predict who's going to win. And I think it's very important for us to talk about this because people misconstrue this all the time. We talked about it with Josh when he came on. Defense doesn't matter simply means that offense is what is most predictive. Mm-hmm. And actually... This game was a perfect example yep. of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were we were told the entire, you know, sort of going into the game that Green Bay was more stout up front than Seattle. Um, and they were. I mean, they, they pressured Wilson on more than 50% of his dropbacks. Um, but ultimately, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks outgained the Packers. Um, they made a lot of plays. Wilson had a 106 passer rating win, pressured. Um, their yards per play were actually higher than their historical um, you know, average for the season. I think there were something like 5.7 and they were a little bit. Yeah. So Seattle, the Seahawks were yards per play this year. This is great podcast. Yeah. But they they, both teams had higher yards per play than they did during the season. Um, both defenses sort of like, you know, gave up things that they didn't give up during the season. Uh, and ultimately the Packers made just a couple extra plays and Seattle refused to make a couple extra plays. And that's why, you know, if you bet Seattle plus four, plus four and a half, you lost by a point or a half a point. And if you laid the points with Green Bay, congratulations. Right. I mean, it, it, you miss a two point conversion and a field goal. That's yep. rough. But the you brought up a good point. We were talking before this, which is like Malik Turner, Malik Turner drops a stone cold wide open pass. That's not an example of Green Bay's defense being great. Yep. Right, It's an example of offense dictating what happens in this game. Great offense is going to win out. Right, That's just what happens. Yeah. And bad offense is also going to make your defense look good. Right, So Russell Wilson, yep. in this game, his fatal flaw was that he held onto the ball a long time. Yep. And he did not feel the pressure. And Aaron Rodgers, we, we talk about how many throwaways he has. He did have a few in this game. But what really separated him was he made a lot of great throws downfield and he made them on third down. That's not something that's necessarily stable on first down. The Seahawks were a better team, but in a single game, those things can happen. It doesn't mean that you should predict things based on it going forward, but in one game, when you're watching it, it can 
A, make it very fun to watch, and B, propel you to victory um, in this one. It was cool to see Aaron Rodgers like play well. Play well. The I touchdown got, pass to Adams, the final throw to Adams. Was awesome. The catch what, that Jimmy what Graham is, made in the last... What were the Seahawks doing, though? Like Devontae Adams took up over 50% of Aaron Rodgers' targets, and rightfully sh- so, because he was just destroying uh all yeah. defensive backs it was ugo amadi that was on him there at the end who's probably five foot like eight yeah on Devonte adams and he just lets him get outside um yeah. i know the 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 kneel downs are going to obscure this a little bit but packers had less than basically a half a yard less yards per play uh than seattle green bay though they converted nine of 14 third downs uh that's just you're that's winning you're going to win football that way aaron Rodgers did not miss a pass that traveled over 10 yards in the air. I mean, he had just a six for six. You know, he was tremendous. He had a, just a tremendous night. We've seen that at times this year, right? He played, he's played that way. He, he's capable of playing that way. And he has been even as this downturn in his career uh, has commenced. Um, another thing, of course, if you're looking at, you know, just reasons why, I mean, this game ended up basically being, I, I think the four and a half was the, was the right side. Uh, again, as you said, the missed 50-yard field goal, you talk about that, probably a 50-50 proposition. The missed two-point conversion, again, 50-50 proposition. Multiply those together. You're probably you're in a one-fourth situation oh, yeah. there. Um, the other one that, that probably is going to chap a few people's asses if they, if they back Seattle or they just rooted for Seattle uh, in the first quarter um, with 4.57 left, the Seattle decided to punt on a fourth and one from the 43. I don't understand how... If you're a team, well, for one, they ran on the third and long one to Marshawn Lynch. Um, you have Wilson as a, as a threat there. Uh, they did a very good job on throwing on short yardage plays later in the game, um, but they they you know fundamentally refused there. They were only down 7 nothing at the time. After forcing a, a rare Green Bay punt on their second possession, they decided to punt it back uh, to Green Bay. So um, I just look at this game and I think to myself, okay, both of these teams – probably punching a bunch above their weight class record wise uh green bay got a few breaks and then you know made a few breaks and that's why they won i it's we're gonna talk about green bay in a second because they're going to the nfc championship game and we're going to talk about that game but let's stick with seattle because i this game was so indicative of all of the things that are great about the team which is russell wilson in the passing game and all the things that stymie it repeatedly, which is just like continuing to run the ball. Yeah. It, I mean, they just every time they ran the ball, it was like, oh man, I can't, I can't believe they're running the ball here. Yeah. Like they should let Russell Wilson throw the ball because every time he drops back to pass, you are terrified if you're the opposing team. Yep. And they refused, you know, to to take advantage of him as much as they should, and they refused to go for it on fourth and short in games where they're an underdog. Yep. Even you know um, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, who has this weird thing where he is conservative when he is a favorite, but when he's an underdog, he pr- he goes for it. He, he at least understands yep. that, you know. And um, and Pete Carroll has just not done done that. And I wonder. I wonder if they look back on this game and they're able to pick those things out and and correct them for next year because they're paying Russell Wilson all this money and that well, they, team that team wasn't perfect but they were a possession away right a drop away from having a chance to go to the NFC. When we talk about the Vikings, you know, with their only having two receivers, you know, the Seahawks have a similar straight. They don't even have really an NFL, you know, starting tight end on their team, you know, and, and Wilson was still. Uh, making you know a lot of plays. I know uh, Dwayne Brown was you know banged up. Dwayne, uh, 
Uh, Fant was George Fant was also banged up. So you know, commendable. I mean, it, it sucks because we we also you know saw this almost exact same result when uh, the Seahawks lost at home to the Niners. You know, I I jokingly said to a couple friends in DMs like, you know, the Seattle's got Green Bay right where they want them, but it'd be nice if they didn't get you know so far behind early in games um, because that would have been. A uh, you know th- they probably would have won this game outright had they won you know had they won a few more possessions early on in the game offensively but they just messed around with too many uh, run run pass sequences so uh, but here's here's another thing I want to say about the Packers in a positive light so there was a another primetime game they played against Kansas City where Andy Reid punted the ball when they were down six or seven or something like that and. They never saw the ball again, right? And and it shows you that, like, so if you're Seattle here, for example, you're down five, you're at your own end of the field. It's fourth and long, but doable. Like, it's not fourth and 30. The fourth and 11, a little over, you know, a little under three minutes left, you punt the football. You, you're not, there's a good chance you're not seeing that ball again, right? Like, you're, if you have Russell Wilson, your goal should be to lose the football game with the ball in his hands, not with, not in the ball in your defense's hands. We saw it with Kansas City when they lost to, to the, uh, uh, Packers as well. The Packers do a pretty good job late in games. They run the football, but they they put the ball in Rodgers' hands. And you know, in those two games, uh, he did make plays. He made enough plays. Well, they that was a mistake, obviously. But mm-hmm. there, there were a couple of things that led up to that. It was, I believe, third and six, and then Wilson took a sack. Right. So if it's third, if it's fourth and six, you, you've got a much better shot of converting it. Maybe Carroll actually does go for it. So. I, I, that was a place where I think Russell Wilson burned him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if you, I mean, obviously they should have gone for it, but like you've got to help your coach out, make yes. th- these decisions. And to the, you know, the Seahawks then were at the mercy of Aaron Rodgers, And it's a great example of exactly what we have been talking about this whole time, which is great offense is going to beat any defense. It doesn't matter how good they are. They got Aaron Rodgers into these third and longs and it, it didn't matter because he was able to get, Devontae Adams where he wanted him. He was able to get Jimmy Graham where he wanted him and delivered the ball uh, you know, in a, in a yeah. perfect position. It, it was his highest graded game uh, pending review uh, since week six, uh, which was at home against yeah. Detroit. Um, to your point about Wilson, in the 42 dropbacks that we have charted, 35 of them resulted in a dropback of 2.6 seconds or more. Just seven ridiculous. in under two and a half seconds. It's absurd. His average time to throw... Uh, to actually throw the football was 3.8 seconds. His average time to sack was 4.8 seconds. I'm sorry if you are I, the the Seahawks did a good enough job pass protecting tonight. They they were and, actually really solid. And Wilson and Tour, you know, as we've written up a number of times, the court, part of the defense doesn't matter thing is that quarterbacks own their own pressure rate. Like he invited that stuff. And granted, he had a 107 rating when, you know, having the hanging onto the ball too long, but those sacks took a toll. And that's why, you know, things like EPA are a better way to measure quarterback play than, and then passer rating. Yeah. I mean, the sacks are brutal on the two point conversion, right? Also, just doesn't see the pressure. Yeah. I mean, he, I think his overall average time to throw, which wraps all those things together, was four seconds. It's a solid second longer yeah. than the highest one in the league this year, and where Rodgers is usually out, which is or uh, where Wilson's usually out, which is three seconds. Yep. That's a that's a long time. I mean, he held on yeah. to the ball forever, and he makes a lot of really good plays. He made a lot of good plays with his legs in this game. Um, he but, has in recent weeks done a really good job running with the football, which was not something he was doing early in the season. Uh, too bad it was it was not enough here. Um, too bad. Yeah, I mean, it, I thought it was enough. That's the thing. Um, it was enough to cover 
Yeah, if you get a couple plays here by their kicker or by or a two point conversion, or yeah, just I mean, catching the ball or just yeah, converting that. La- I mean, they win the game outright if they drive the ball down the field and score on that last one, but uh, that happens. So um, good, good for good for the Packers. Good for. Uh, you know, the people that that, that support them. And uh, we'll talk, obviously, about Niners Packers uh, in the you know, sort of in a subsequent segment. But let's let's I mean, it's let's just end it this way. It's great to see great quarterback play. Mm-hmm. That game was awesome because yep. two quarterbacks played really, really well. Yep. And Aaron Rodgers and his team made more plays when it mattered. Mm-hmm. And that's these games come down to three or four plays and this one did and that's what makes football great and Aaron Rodgers was great and I'm just I'm I'm happy to see a former Bay Area a son of the Bay Area play well and now he gets to go back to try yeah. and revenge that loss so okay so if we let's let's look back at some of these other games yeah, let's because, rewind let's go back to Saturday yeah so the Vikings who were getting seven points going on the Feels road like a set, week ago by San the way. Francisco uh yeah um and they, you know, take advantage of Akello Witherspoon before he gets benched, put on the put on the uh, on the pine in, in place of uh, Emmanuel Mosley. Vikings get a big play, um, tie the score, give up a touchdown, but then get an interception by Eric Hendricks, kick a field goal. They go into halftime in fourteen ten, and I don't think we appreciated at the time how fraudulent that 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 uh, score was for the Vikings, right? Because by the by the middle uh, to be honest with you i did yeah they because they had they had four first downs i want to say yep. and the niners i think had like 13 through one half yep. and the their entire offense was akella witherspoon not playing well in coverage uh-huh. and then when he like from that point on when emmanuel most emmanuel mostly played really really well yeah from that point on they were just uh you know horrific and the niners d- realized that oh the Vikings just are not did not yeah, come to play. Yeah, they're not they're not doing it. Like that first game. that first drive, Jimmy G was just on point, right? They just marched down the field. Their motion was sending all of the linebackers in the wrong direction, and Jimmy was just delivering the ball on point. And then they all of a sudden realized, like, oh man, the Vikings can't score, and they also like they can't even move past the line of scrimmage. Yep. And every time they ran the ball, they were just getting blown off the line of scrimmage. And this is why we talk about it all the time. Running the ball is not predictive of future success, but when a team is outmatched in a game, yep. it is it is the result of a domination. Exactly. And so we often attribute it. We're like, oh, hey, they dominated this game. Why? Well, they have 200 rushing yards. It's like, well, no, actually, they they got a lead by throwing the ball, yeah. and then your team was so terrible that they just got run on for the rest of the game. Well, and that we're going to talk about college football in a little bit, but that's exactly how college football is. Like Clemson plays Virginia, and they're they get ahead with a few like passing touchdowns and then they just are more dominant than the other team the rest of the game and they that manifests itself in the run game right because their yep. linemen are better and, and that was true about minnesota too i mean dalvin cook had nine carries for 18 yards um alexander madison one for three pat elfline is not a starting guard in the nfl uh garrett bradbury it has some work to do and, and josh klein it, you know was sort of a middling free agent signee and then you know their right tackle brian o'neill got injured in the game so san francisco up front was just better than minnesota and then kirk cousins is one of those quarterbacks that needs a good foundation right and the foundation was laid against the saints by you know a few players being out for new orleans right and and a few and minnesota scheming up a good you know set of plays Thielen gets injured in practice 
uh, you know, they're just flat out less athletic than the 49ers in that intermediate level. Rudolph Smith, they're just not as good as Warner and, and uh, um, Kwan Alexander and, and Jacuzzi Guitar and those safeties. So they just had no mismatches other than Diggs against Witherspoon, and that was sewn up pretty quickly. And then Kirk had really nothing. And then, you know, when the interesting thing is we talked about Jimmy G's struggles and how it sort of kept the Seahawks in the game and it kept the Rams in the game. And to Kyle Shanahan's credit, when Jimmy G started to fold a little bit, they just went straight to the run game and they knew that that four point lead that, that, you know, uh, was really more than four points. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually, you know, people were saying, oh, that he's protecting Jimmy G by not letting him throw the ball after that bad interception. I think that's total baloney. The reason that they started running the ball is because the, the Vikings didn't want to play defense. Yep. Like they were just getting blown off the line of scrimmage every time, and he was acutely aware of the simple fact that their offense only had these points because of a situation that had been mediated yeah. already. So he had nothing to worry about. So I was like, why would I even bother having my quarterback drop back pass, who, by the way, looked like he had a potentially horrific injury yes, in the game? Too. Right. Like I, the takeaway that I have from that has is not about Kyle Shanahan not having faith in Jimmy G. It's about him being acutely aware of the Vikings sucking. Yeah, which absolutely. So, Wait, so you want to talk about your boy? Who's that? Your boy, Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. So Stefanski. I can't up, believe he still got the job after his performance. Right. And and again, like this is so we're getting a lot of these conversations we're having on Twitter, um, or a lot of these conversations like football people are having. I mean, we're drawing a lot of conclusions from one game samples. Right. So that whether it be the Stefanski being a, a worse hire than Salah because of how this thing interacted right. on 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 Saturday afternoon or um, how Lamar Jackson is should not be the MVP because he played like crap against Tennessee uh, and then Aaron Rodgers and how all of a sudden he's back to being a Hall of Fame quarterback because of how he played this evening. Um I mean, he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, of course. Point but being, back to being the point being that he's been great all season because of this one. Correct. Game. Like, right. And so, how we need to re, we need to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate how we've seen the entire world forever. Right. Based Ma- upon math needs to change now. Be, based on three outcomes, yeah, running backs matter now because Derrick Henry has been awesome for the better part. Oh, ever since Tannehill took over, huh? Yeah. So, it's, it's so, um, but yeah, Stefanski, you know. I think I kind of support the hire. I think, you know, we there are a couple things about Stefanski. One positive, one negative. The positive for Stefanski is that this offense is not as good as people is, is not as good fundamentally as it performed. Yep. Cousins is a middle of the pack quarterback as we said and as you got a lot of flack for, you know, uh, uh during our preview of the playoffs. Um the Vikings at times had one NFL caliber wide receiver playing for them. BC Johnson, a seventh round pick Treadwell, literally off the scrap heap, Alexander Hollins and so on and so forth in a league where as the Seahawks wound up today, you need three good wide receivers to compete in the NFL. The Vikings were going through most of the season with one and sometimes two offensive line. We've already documented they're poor. Um, and their defense has gotten a little bit worse, so the offense has had to pick up some slack, right? There was a game against Denver where they had to come back because Brandon Allen was you know, moving the football on them. So there's that, and, and yet they're, they went from 18 yard, 18th in yards per play to 10th. They went from like 25th in EPA to 6th or 7th, I think. Uh, he did a good job. The, the negative is, of course, they, they still run the ball too much. And yeah. I wonder how much of that is Zimmer. 
you took a very circuitous route to getting yeah. to exactly what I was going to bring up, which is the Vikings lost that game when they went run, run to start the game. Yep. Simple as that. Rob Pozzola said he would have laid minus 200 at that. That would have been the first two, the first sequence, run, the, run, pass. The Niners came out and they said, we know you're going to do this. And we're going to stuff the crap out of Dalvin Cook. And they did. And then third down came around and you go, you know what? I don't have faith in Kirk Cousins dropping straight back to pass on third and long. Yeah. Like that's just not how you have success with him. You need to come out and go play action, play action. To the Seahawks credit, they went play action a lot yes. against Green Bay, despite the fact that their run game was useless and it worked for them. But the Vikings just refused and went run into the middle of the, you know, the, the, the uh, Niners defense, which is literally waiting for this play. And that is when the game was lost. And I don't think that's a Stefanski thing. Mm-hmm. I really believe that Zimmer was like, this is what you're going to do. You're going to establish Dalvin Cook. We're going to get after it. So I am interested to see if he's able to shed that now in Cleveland because all of the the things out of Cleveland have been look he's been empowered by Paul D Podesta to use like he has to use analytics mm-hmm. like you've got to actually leverage what math is telling us and so you would expect them to go man if there was a team that was going to go 50% play action in terms of their their dropbacks like this is it right and um if there was a team that was going to go for it on fourth down even if it's fourth and 3 or fourth and 5 or, hey, 4th and 11 when yeah. you can either have one shot, one opportunity to win the game, or you can give it to Aaron Rodgers, let him have one. Yep. Be my guest. Like He's going to take it. So I, I think this was the right hire. I also think it's good for uh, Salah. Bobby Salah because he gets to stay in the California sunshine and run stairs there, which is a much better place. If you've seen the Baker Mayfield commercials, those stairs don't look great. Well, and that's and that's the thing. So you look at, okay, what happened in Cleveland this year? They had some. They had probably more talent offensively than Minnesota. They were weak on offensive line, just like the Vikings. But they were strong at running back, and they were strong at wide receiver. And they had a quarterback that could go either way, right? That's basically the Browns. And so Stefanski took that that type of offense and made them pretty good this year, despite shot. You know, basically, you know, he knew that they fired De Filippo because he passed too much. Right, so you you have a mandate to run the football, and you can still carve out a scheme that's somewhat effective. Uh, in despite that, so if you take away you know the restriction of having to run so much, uh, I do think that he you know becomes a good offensive uh, offensive mind. Do you do you think he calls the plays? Is the question, or do you think the Browns hired him because of his ability to call the plays? I would I would hope so. Because they wanted him last, like they well, he made the finals this last year based upon three games calling plays. Right. So part of me thinks that you don't think he's going to call plays. Part of me thinks that they like him because of the way that he thinks. You know what I'm saying? Like when you sure. interview a guy and you're like, you know, what is your philosophy on football? How do you coach players? What is what would you want to? So part of me, part of me thinks that this could also be a situation where. You know, like so. For example, the the Browns hired Todd Monken this year, and Monken turned uh, Fitzpatrick into a viable starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2018. And Monken was like completely marginalized. marginalized. Yeah, yeah. So, like, do does he even call the plays? Is a good question. Um, I would think he does. Okay, because I think Kitchens was so overwhelmed by the responsibilities of being a head coach and also calling the plays. That it could be a situation, you know, for example, when Mike Tomlin took over the Pittsburgh Steelers, where you know he was similar. He had only one year as a coordinator, gets a head coaching job, keeps Dick LeBeau as the off, as the defensive coordinator, but still hmm. is a great head coach. 
in the sense of like his overall team philosophy is a positive EV sort of philosophy. Yeah. So it's just I mean, a gr- he, interesting question. If he has a guy that he feels like they can be on the same page, then sure. But it's all about finding the people to do the things that you know need to get done and having a trust in them. So clearly Kitchens was, I think Kitchens probably took on, he didn't understand what comes with being a head coach yep. and was like, oh, I'm going to do all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And it's, you just can't. Like you need someone to do all of the little sh- shit for you yes that you you have to put people in position you are a big manager like that's what you are and so your biggest asset is putting people in a position to succeed this is where you're going to win you go do your job it's very clear what you need to do go do it right and instead he tried to take all those things on when he was just basically a running back when he couldn't manage himself i mean that that, and that's the and that's a difficult thing so that's kind of rude um okay so we done with the Vikings. Here. Yeah. So we learned very little about the Niners, I think, in this game, other than they are who our numbers said they were like a top five team in the NFL. Right. And, and Minnesota, we don't care anymore because there's going to be a projection out. It looks like George Edwards, the news here, their defensive coordinators out. So Minnesota is going to change both gonna, both coordinators. Their fifth offensive coordinator is many seasons. It's going to be a, a weird offseason for Minnesota. No cap room. I'm no defensive backs. It, it could go. Real South. Minnesota Minnesota might be an under next year. Real South, real quick. Speaking of Real South, real quick, Tennessee goes on the road, basically getting 10 points by the time everything closed, nine and a half maybe in some places, win the game outright, win the game by multiple scores. The Ravens did not come to play offensively uh, on the scoreboard, as we predicted, um, but did finish the game with 530 total yards. Um, Those are... Some pretty shallow yards. Yeah, there, exactly. Uh, Jackson threw for 365 yards, two interceptions, though, 143 yards on the ground, but a lot of that was too late, and a lot of it ended up being punchless given that they could not put the ball in the end zone uh, against the Titans defense. So here's the thing. We drafted quarterbacks. Uh, we did a snake draft on mm-hmm. Thursday. And we've also talked a lot about how Russell Wilson has actually earned more wins above replacement than Lamar Jackson. Yep. And this is not a knock on Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is fucking awesome. He's great. You can bleep that out if you want. I'll say it again. He's fucking awesome. The fact that he's not as fucking awesome as two Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks is not a bad thing. Yeah. But the Baltimore Ravens had not... They, they, they had one game where they were losing at the end of the first quarter. It was a loss to Cleveland. Yep. They have not had to play from behind. Lamar Jackson has been able to leverage the fact that he is a special once-in-a-generation talent running the football, and they do it super efficiently. They, he just hasn't had reps playing for having to bring his team back from behind, yep. where Russell Wilson continually does that. And when he does that, he earns a ton of wins above replacement because that's all on his shoulders. Pat Mahomes, that game, that w- these two games, the Texans-Chiefs game and the Titans-Ravens game, were carbon copies of each other. The difference was that the Chiefs had a quarterback and a passing offense that was going to bring them back, and the Ravens did not. And it's as simple as that. It was very, it ended up being pretty simple there. And it wasn't like, like we said, like Lamar moved the football after, you know, after the, the initial onslaught of points against them, but it wasn't, it was a wheel unwieldy moving of the football. Whereas 
when Mahomes and the Chiefs took the ball. Granted, they got some luck. I mean, they had a, a fumble on a kickoff return, and a, and they and they Daniel Sorensen made a terrific play on a True. fake punt. But they they got ahead in the second half. They took every single you know possession they had until yep. uh, they called off the dogs and went down and scored. Um, and and a lot of it was exactly what we said. I mean, you have Kelsey is one of the most you know best tight ends in the NFL. Great game to, you know today. Tyreek Hill, the best deep threat in the NFL, save maybe a few guys. And then guys that can kind of kill you when they're on, like Sammy Watkins, two catches for like seventy eight yards or something like that. And and then Damian Williams made some plays out of the backfield. So it was just an, an all around offensive onslaught that the Chiefs were prepared for, and they played games to prepare this way. Right? They were behind against they were behind against Detroit this year. Right with half their receivers injured, they were behind against even they were behind ten nothing against Oakland. They were behind a lot of the time. They were behind against Tennessee at times. They were behind against Indianapolis, Houston, right? Uh, not New England so much, but they were they they they're prepared for this. And Patrick Mahomes is the type of quarterback that can make this thing happen. And this isn't to say that you should try to be losing in games. This no. is about the way that you play the game. Of it's football. about the variance that that is inherent in projecting these things out because. Our data, right, doesn't have that many possessions where guys like Lamar Jackson are behind. So that is why, like, when we project, the, when we simulate these games out, that's why, you know, the Ravens only had a 25% chance or something to win the Super Bowl because there are games where they're going to, where, you know, there's just so much unknown there. There's uncertainty. So you, you regress yeah. them to the market average, right? Where, whereas when we look at Seattle, right, this is why we like Seattle against the spread because we knew there was going to, there was probably going to be some sample paths where, where Seattle played really well and just won. There are going to be some where they got blown out early. And then came all the way back because that's exactly what we've seen from them. We have a ton of data in different parts of the feature space where we can understand Seattle. We can't do that with like Lamar Jackson. We can do it a little bit with Mahomes. And to Mahomes' credit, like he did it, right? And we've seen it happen before. And that's why we're a little bit more confident in them. The Tennessee Titans narrative is that they have just run the ball. Straight through teams, and that's why they have won. And so I thought it was interesting to take a look at how they built this lead against the Ravens because that narrative is just straight up false. Uh, So through one quarter, the team that had uh, the better rushing offense using expected points added per play, which is basically yards per play, but adjusted for the context of down and distance. So it tells you better uh, how good that team was on those specific plays. The Baltimore Ravens through the first quarter had a much better expected points added per run play than the Tennessee Titans. And yet the Tennessee Titans were winning this game fairly convincingly. They had two touchdowns at this point. And the reason they did was because they were winning the battle of the passing game. They were averaging 0.4 expected points added per pass play, which is remarkable through quarter one. The Baltimore Ravens, negative 1.1. And that is how they built the lead. The way that they salted the game away was that the Baltimore Ravens continued to be inefficient throwing the ball. They amassed a lot of yards because they had to run a bunch of plays, but they were not efficient, as you mentioned. And then they were simply able to run the ball because, oh, the other team is now is now at your mercy. Right. There are a bunch of plays that are a bunch of possessions that are short. 
you know, the defense is tired, all those things. This is about, this is about you know, anybody who's taking a stats class or something like that. This is about building that probability tree, right? The first branch is being better than the other team and passing the yes. football. And then after that, the, you can ask the yes-no question of, can you impose your will in the running game, right? But that for, you need to you get that first branch. And I'll even come back to this. Baltimore moved the football on their first drive. What happened? It was like a tip ball interception that ended yep. up ending that drive. So even then, like, you know, and then their second drive ended in a fourth and one on their own end of the field. And what did Tennessee do? They didn't run the ball down Baltimore's throat after that. They no. play action deep ball to Khalif Raymond. And that was a touchdown. And, you know, that, and then, then once that happened, you know, it was a Tennessee game. And then Tennessee wants to run the football and they were pretty good at it but again it's because the Ravens all season have been hiding this fact that they're pretty weak in the front seven right they started you know LJ Fort wasn't even on their team for part of this you know for the preseason and things like that and now he's a starting linebacker their front seven there was only one guy that had over I believe 30 pressures this year and that's Matthew Judon that's pretty easy to scheme for what isn't is when you're behind by 10 points against the Ravens and you have to throw and you're throwing against Jimmy Smith Marcus Peters Earl Thomas Marlon Humphrey, but again, you have to solve the first question first, which is to get ahead. You throw to get the lead. Yep. You run when you are the far better team and you are leading. Yep. And that's all you need to know. Like it's not it's not rocket science, but you can't look at the rolled up version of the game at the end of the game. And be like you know what? Yeah. Clearly, this team won because they ran the ball. Like I, you have to be smart enough to tease out what caused what, and leading which happens because you're passing yep. often causes these huge uh running games let me let's flip it to the ravens a little bit because they had such a good season and they were praised so much for all of the analytically sound decisions they made mm-hmm. and they should be and they went for it on a couple fourth downs yep. and failed yep and so people are going to say well you know what it doesn't maybe you shouldn't make as many of those choices and it's like what is so frustrating about that is that just because those two misses came in that game, they could have come sprinkled at any point in the season, right? And if they just get one of those, you know, that game can be totally different. If yeah. that tip pass doesn't happen, that game can be totally different. And so that's why you do not. If they win the toss and take the ball sure. first. <laughs> like, that's why you do not base things on a one-game sample. Because yeah. the Baltimore Ravens still had a great season. And John Harbaugh still made great decisions. And all those yeah. decisions in that game were still great. And just because the play didn't work out does not mean you should go abandon it. And here's the thing. the ana- So winning the football games with analytics, right? This is why you don't play the game on paper. Blah, 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 right? All that, the, all that Harbaugh and all that Lamar Jackson and all that that defense is doing is trying to take them from a 70% chance to win that game every single time to a 75% chance to win that game every time, right? Mm-hmm. And when that coin is flipped, like which side does it end up on? And... There, like, and we went over this with the presidential election in 2016. There are 30 things that are supposed to happen 30 percent of the time happen 30 percent of the time. It's how it, it it's how it works. You look at this weekend, right? San Francisco is minus seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baltimore is minus ten ish. Kansas City ended up minus ten ish, and then Seattle was plus four or whatever, right? Well, how did the favorites do? They went three and one, right? So underdogs win the games, right? About as much as they're supposed to. 
And, you know, there's a little bit of variance here, but, you know, I tweeted out, we're not doing this. It's actually bad to be 14-2 and two with a great quarterback and right. be analytically driven. Just can't. We just, we're, we're not doing it. And there's no, we've seen this with Andy Reid. There's no guarantee that the Ravens with this bunch are ever going to win a Super Bowl. There's no guarantee. But they are giving themselves a better opportunity to do so. Uh, I'm writing up an article about the four teams that lost this weekend. When I look at them, I think that their weakness is they need wide receivers. Marquise Brown was a good draft pick, but he, asi- he was tremendous. But aside from him, they don't have a guy. They don't have the t- and the tight ends were very explosive this year. But I don't consider them reliable. Like there was a lot of drops there. They need wide receivers that Lamar can feel comfortable throwing in the intermediate zone. It's too. this simple. They need players that are going to help them win when they are losing. Yeah, and, 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 those, wide, and those are wide receivers. That, and that's Tyler Lockett, and that's D.K. Metcalf, as we saw tonight, right? That like, was T.K. Metcalf two weeks ago, yeah, yeah. not D.K. Metcalf today. <laughs> and, and then, but it, that catch that, that Hollywood Brown pulled in, was great. they just capitalized on a touchdown there, a totally different game. Yeah, for sure. And that was one of the better catches that I've seen. That guy's awesome. So if they can get one other guy to oppose him, he can stay healthy. I, I mean, this team... The fact that people are giving Lamar Jackson shit because he is 0-2 in the playoffs when every other... Like, he's made it to the freaking playoffs. I mean, Peyton twice. Manning lost a great deal Stop. of his playoff games before he advanced to even the AFC Championship game, let alone the Super Bowl. Um, and not to compare Lamar Jackson to Peyton Manning, but again, we... Oh, pretty similar. Yeah, well, but and Patrick Mahomes won the MVP last year. He did not make the Super Bowl. You know, he did not win. The, like So these things are not linear. These don't happen in sequence the way that they're probably supposed to. That means a straight line for people yeah. out there. I mean, the, the 2009 Aaron Rodgers was probably better than 2010 Aaron Rodgers, but 2010 Aaron Rodgers strung his games together to, enough to win the Super Bowl. And then 2011 Aaron Rodgers was even better. And it wasn't good enough, right? Like, that, there's a ton of there's a ton of like awesome. variance in how these things happen, and that's and that's what makes football fun. But it also like when people you know when people want to talk about prognostication, it's just the thing that you have to build in there. So um, let's move on to this crazy ass game yeah. that happened this morning. Uh, not this morning. Feels like this morning. Kansas City, Houston. So Houston gets out to this massive lead. You are a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I am. You considered buying tickets to the Kansas City game and tickets on an airplane to Kansas City last night when the Titans won. And so they are down 24. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, but not willing to ask if you've already purchased a non-refundable plane ticket or not. At that point in time, do not lie to me. What was your, if you had to put, you know, the chance of the the Chiefs coming back and winning, what did you, what did you deep down feel it was? Well, uh... I thought it was probably one third. Okay. I, I well, here's the thing. I'm. I did not buy a ticket. You didn't. I didn't, I didn't ask. No, I, I didn't I, want to know. I didn't. I didn't actually last night, and I, you know, because I did think that there was a legitimate chance that it would happen. Well, I scared you enough because I yeah, didn't yeah. want you to jinx yeah, it. Yeah. I really didn't want that yep. to happen. I'm a nice person deep down inside. Yeah. And and my friend who I'm staying with, I, I sent him a, a message when they were up 17 in the fourth quarter, and I said, "Hey, not to jinx this this shit, but let, uh, I'm, how does you know Friday night to Monday sound? You know, and it was it would." When you when you watch that game though, it was very reminiscent of the game the night before, right? It when you was look, the same game. You look at instead of instead of going for it on fourth down and missing, the Chiefs just dropped third down passes and punted. Um, and then there were the turnovers. The turnovers actually like were deep in their own end. Um, the 
I don't know when I officially was like, they're going to win the football game, but their comeback was so quick that it was sort of like, eventually the switch just turned on. I'm like, there's no way they lose this game. Well, the reason that I went full into the Chiefs live uh, in that game when they were down, uh, I bet them when they're down 14 and 21, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were plus 300 and may, I think even plus four through you know 400 at one point i got it around 300 and 250 yeah and um the reason i did that is that drops so you want it just like we talked about the vikings right yeah. the vikings keeping it close was totally mythical because of the way it happened yeah. similarly the chiefs being down by 24 was also mythical because of the way it happened right the texans got very lucky with some fluke plays but also, it wasn't as if Kansas City's offense was incapable yes. of getting guys open, right? They weren't so, swarmed by pressure. They weren't... It's like the NBA, yeah. right? If a team has a bunch of wide-open three-point looks, and it's the Warriors, and they've missed them, you're like, oh, I'm going to bet them live. You know why? Because Steph Curry ain't going 0 for yeah. 17 in this right. game. Pat Mahomes is not going to end up just... His receivers are not going to continue dropping the ball the entire time. Mm-hmm. We know this to be true. And so those four drops out of the way early, it was very clear that they had no answer for Travis Kelsey. And that is why drop passes. We talk about this a lot. They matter a lot in looking back. It's why when we grade right quarterbacks, if they make a good throw, get the grade commensurate with if it was on target or not, yeah, not yeah, whether yeah. it was caught, yep. but also they're unstable looking forward. And you know, whether you're looking season to season or game to game or play to play. Right. Yep. And so you want to take advantage of that. Cause oftentimes the betting market is not, let me, uh, let me look at where my tweets were because I was certainly on okay. tilt. Well, well, so there was a there was a this is a complete meltdown. Yes, I saw that one. This the Chiefs cannot punt the rest of the game. They went on and went three and out and punted. Uh, they are failing Mahomes with the drops. <laughs> yes, and and then when they were down twenty four nothing after Bill O'Brien bails them out in Jesus. their own territory, fourth and one, um, they kick a field goal. I, I, I ask Andy, I go, hey, three eights, Andy. This is all you need, three eights. And then they go right down and And then score. I think my secondary tweet was four sevens. <laughs> they go right down and score and then kick the extra point. You're like, oh, man, it's going to be one of these games, which it ended up not being because they just ended up trouncing the Texans. But here was the other crazy part of this game was that the Texans knew they had to throw. Yes. The Chiefs said, oh, guess what? We are going to throw. And it didn't matter. Yeah. The the one thing that kept me from really being all in on the Chiefs, and we wrote, you know, I wrote about this last week, I believe. These weeks are so jumbled together. But I wrote about this last week, I think, was I didn't know if their defense could get a stop. And that, to me, was the, that to me was the, the crucial thing. I did not know... Um, if their defense could get a stop, especially without Chris Jones, because, you know, he's, you know, their prominent pass rusher. But I will say this. I was not a, a fan of their offseason moves defensively. I didn't like trading as much as they traded for Frank Clark. I did not like going into the, you know, with Trevarius Ward and all those, you know, you know mm-hmm. young youngsters in the secondary. But I will say this. Teron Matthew is worth every penny that they paid for him. Frank Clark, three sacks, one hit, five hurries today. Um terrific work especially in the second half of the season Rashad Fenton was an undrafted player that has ended up being he played 40 snaps today was amazing in coverage um and they got just enough stops right and enough fluke plays right for you know Kansas City offense to do what it needed and and ultimately 
they didn't even need as many stops as they got, <laughs> you know, because Kansas City basically scored every single possession from being down 24 uh, nothing until they got their 51st point. So I can't emphasize this enough. Kansas City uh, averaged 0.6 expected points added per pass play, which is the best of any yeah. team so far in the playoffs. Uh, and the Houston Texans averaged zero. The Houston Texans were a better running running team using expected yeah. points added per run play. Didn't matter at all because the Kansas City Chiefs threw the ball, and yeah. that is ultimately what matters. They were also fantastic on first down and threw the ball a ton on first down, which I think um, Nance and Roma made a comment about this, but they were like, you know, it's kind of crazy that they're just like continuing to throw the ball and yeah, yeah, yeah. not running it. And at one point when they had 41 unanswered, they had nine yards, nine rushing yards for a run. Like seven carries or something. Like yeah, that. and it scored forty-one unanswered. And uh, there was a point where they had seven. Was it seven straight? I can't possessions remember. possessions were with a touchdown. And yep, then, and seven running back carries. Well, and the, <laughs> the and the other incredible. thing, being a Chiefs fan and knowing how Andy Reid operates, the thing that I was scared about the most in the second half was that he was going to take his to foot start off, running, take yeah. his foot off the pedal because he's done that this year. You know, he's done that at times, and I think. Interestingly, being behind by so much and essentially tasting defeat early in the game probably put Andy on notice because he did not relent. And, you know, so and and again, we talk about these things as they happen. Houston's defense was a joke most of the season. They play a pretty decent game uh, against Buffalo. But why was that? Because Buffalo's offense sucks and defense doesn't matter. I tweeted this out during the game. When offense executes, defense doesn't matter. When offense can't execute, defense doesn't matter. Right. So it was, it was the Titans thing, right? Yeah. The Patriots suck on offense. So the Titans defense looks really good. And, and when, and when Lamar Jackson can't hit open throws, it doesn't matter who's in this, who's in the Titans secondary. When Lamar Jackson, fumbles the ball in the backfield doesn't matter who's in the Titans secondary so and when Patrick Mahomes decides he's going to be the league MVP during the course of the game he probably got how much war do you think he generated in this game a decent amount I will I will say that I think because of some of the fluky plays that they got probably not as many right because there were some short fields like he didn't have to throw downfield that much he was super efficient in the intermediate range but like didn't have to you know make any kind of incredible throws it was a lot I'm not and and Travis Kelsey, you know, he was really good. As far as tight ends go, it's Kittle and Kelsey, and that and and Kelsey, you know, long and short. He's very. I mean, he and Kittle are real. They're a real treat when they can, you know, underneath the coverage in the red zone, but also over the top. Both of them are amazing, and it was great to have him because Hill only got four targets today. Watkins, you know, converted the two he did have, but it was mostly a Kelsey day. And it's just, to me, it's a beautiful thing to watch quarterbacks throw the ball in the intermediate part of the field. You know, Rodgers tonight and then yeah. also Mahomes. Okay, we're, we're going to talk about the two championship games real quick, though. Bill O'Brien, should he stay with Houston? Should they keep him? Well, the hard part is is that you have to... Here, here I would say yes, because I do think he gets... I, I think he's better than what people say. But here's the question. Do they ever hire a GM as long as he's that coach? Because say, if you if if you he should. keeps you if he keeps you from hiring a GM, then I think he probably has to go because that skill set, being a GM and a head coach, name besides Belichick, name somebody who's actually been proficient at that. Can't. Greg I mean, I, I mean, Mike Holmgren failed. You know, Mike Holmgren was okay at it in Seattle. We've seen other instances where it's kind of worked. But in, unless you can unless you can convince me that Bill O'Brien is on the Mike Holmgren level of NFL head coaches, like 
Yeah. It's just not worth it. I think they should keep him because I don't know if your answer is really bringing in Josh McDaniel and McDaniels and that Robert like, Sala. Yeah, I, Houston's but, probably a decent place for Sala to go if you're looking for somewhere right. other than California. True, true. I, I could see them though making a play for McDaniel's and um, I'm blanking on his name. Who's the Casario? Right. So that like. That's the that's the dark horse candidate, right? Because they they wanted Casario before, so I wouldn't totally rule that out. I, I do think they should. Keep here's him here's the here's the tricky thing about that job. How, Bill O'Brien, as long as he's the head coach and general manager, will never stop acting like a head coach in that position. So, what general manager in their right mind would want a job where the moment you sit down, you're missing? You you have so many fewer the cupboard. Co- is bare cards to play with it, it doesn't they're in a they're in a sticky situation here hate to see it oh man i said i wasn't gonna do that can we cut it's okay that? we cut that part out all right we're gonna do uh conference championships but real quick in between there is a game tonight that we should talk about yes that is uh monday night football on espn no tests uh and bug which is kind of i think it's lewis riddick and a couple and and uh mcdonough and maybe a couple but yeah anyway what lewis riddick calls games on espn right Oh no! Is it going to be the? It's going to be Herb Street. Herb Street and come and, on now and uh, come on. Sweet Lou is great, but maybe uh, lose on the on the uh, pregame show. But I saw him in New Orleans, so maybe yes, he's, he's on the he's on the pregame yeah. show. They're they're not Herb Street's really good, I think. Yeah, he's terrific. Um, they they do a great job. So Clemson is now is it five or five and a half point underdogs? Is it still what it is? Yeah, so, it got so it, Clemson it got it all the way to six and a half, I believe. Clemson is getting, so it opened at four, Clem, and then the look ahead was one. After the, the initial weekend, which seems like forever ago, got out, you know, opened at four, got out to about seven, now it's back to five and a half. Total has gotten as high as 70, is now down to 67 and a half. Now, I try as best I can not to watch a whole lot of college football, which is a good thing for me. It helps uh, my life in general because I have way more time to do things that are not agonizing and terrible like watching college football. Mm-hmm. However, I did watch cl- both of the the semi semifinal games and I can totally see how most of America also watched only those games and it makes perfect sense to me why LSU is now all the way out to this, this kind of large number. Yep. And I... I just think it makes sense, and mathematically, uh, our model seems to agree with me yeah. that if you're going to take one side of this game, go it's got to be Clemson. I mean, the Clemson. the thing is, is we've had Clemson probably a little higher than market. We had them as the favorite going in, um, even, and then LSU blows out Oklahoma. But there's a, a clear question. Like again, this is like taking Seattle tonight. Taking Seattle tonight was a good bet, didn't work out. You want to make a sequence of good bets, Clemson being one on the look ahead, then four, then, you know, and then seeing some money, drag it down to five and a half. Like Clemson is the right bet to make. Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to go a uh, little Clemson money line, a little Clemson money line. And uh, what if you have some Clemson futures though? Do you, do you buy a little bit of LSU back at the, probably at the minus. But if you're like, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope all seven of you, have joined my side of the table, which is we we like our Saturdays. Saturdays are for the people who want to enjoy their lives. 
and that you haven't watched a lot of college football, and so you don't have any futures, and you're just looking to do something yeah. where you can kick back and relax, and that I think is this reminds me a lot. Clemson. This reminds me a lot of last year's game where you know Clemson hadn't played anybody all year. They even well they didn't lose a game, but they had a game similar to the you know to the North Carolina game and the Syracuse game. LSU is a you know running through the entire uh, their entire schedule against a strong SEC team you know i believe uh alabama was laying about a touchdown last year as well and like i i gotta think venables with the time off is gonna you know uh you know slow uh burrows down his burrow his yardage prop is like 365 and a half uh our colleague ben brown i believe is gonna write up uh, a little bit of those um and and i think the under there is a good play uh and so you look at that game, it'll be fun to watch. I think Clemson's really the only side you can bet here. Um, but I I wouldn't be surprised to see LSU blow them out either. I mean, it's happened before. All right, that was our college football segment. You ready for the championship games? Yep. Let's do this thing. So the first game is the AFC. It is going to be Tennessee at Kansas City. Um, I, I purposefully did not look at any of the lines. I know you can't contain yourself, so I know you already know what the line is. I think Kansas City should be favored by eight and a half. You want to let me know that it's, I'm going to guess that it's higher. Nope. It is seven and a half. Really? It opened at six when Tennessee was like in the, in the driver's seat in that game. Um, and now it's been bet up to seven and a half, but there it's one fifteen to Tennessee side, you know, obviously getting the hook at seven one Oh five at Kansas City side. It's interesting to me that Kansas City getting behind by that much and then just steaming Houston is worth a point and a half. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, recency bias is what it is. But total on this game, 52, which would have been covered uh, in the first half of today's game uh, uh, with uh, Kansas City versus um, Houston. So what do you think? That's interesting. The reason I had it at eight and a half is that Tennessee has played. they've, They've gotten a lot of really good bounces. Right, So they played a Patriots team who offensively is just inept. And then they went into Baltimore, and all the things that we talked about going wrong for Baltimore, which mm-hmm. were you know fumbles, interception, like those things that just hadn't happened for Lamar Jackson all year happened. They also go 0 for 2 on fourth downs. Like they get both of those things to happen for them. And if, that, if they don't get all the bounces to go their way, then they all of a sudden have to rely on Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. And as he's been fine... But I'm going to take Pat Mahomes over Ryan Tannehill and by a large margin uh, every single time. Yeah, Tennessee offensively, as we said going into the week, second highest EPA per play after Tannehill started starting, both as a passing team and as a total offense. Uh, you know, Baltimore, you know, Baltimore was first. Kansas City, I believe, was third or third or fourth. Um, so their offense, I think, can keep up. Um, but again, it's it's what you said. It's when there are perturbations to the system. Can they keep? Again, for one, the Chiefs do, didn't grade well pressure wise this year. But you can tell it's very similar to how Green Bay acted today. If you can cover a little bit on the back end, you can get pressure. And Tannehill takes sacks. You know, it didn't come up much on on Saturday, but he takes sacks as badly as 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 any quarterback. Uh, you know, in the league, and you know. Kansas City's you know noise levels, the record setting at times, getting off the ball. Well, you'll be there. Yeah, Frank Clark, all those folks getting off the football. Like I do I'm think excited for your voice on Sunday. I, it'll be a good. It, I think it'll be a good test for Tennessee. Um, I don't hate the over here. 
um, just because I do think Tennessee will punch Kansas City a few times. and But Kansas City, I think, is the side here, and here's why. One of my biggest concerns with Andy Reid has always been, especially laying the points in big in these types of games, has always been his penchant to let the foot off the pedal. Yeah. And you look at what, what is in front of Andy Reid over the last two days. Tennessee came in and basically did you a favor. They whooped Baltimore, a team that you were going to be underdogs to in the AFC title game. You You're get to go on the road. You get to play a home game. Tennessee is a formidable opponent, one. So you're not going to sleep on them. And then you had the scare today. And so for me, you know, they've had this happen before. The last time they played the Titans, both the the last two times they played the Titans in Arrowhead, they had double-digit leads and gave them up and lost, right? The last game that they had when they played the Titans in Tennessee, they had a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter, lost. I I think Andy Reid does what he does today and and puts the foot on the pedal uh, and – Kind of, I think wins handily in this game. Here's why. So I, that was one of the reasons I totally agree with you. And I just, I want to root for Andy Reid. But here's the other thing. Name for me the receivers that the Tennessee Titans have faced so far in the playoffs. It's not much. It's Julian Edelman with a cracked rib apparently, and the desire to jump on top of a vehicle in Beverly Hills, and then Marquise Hollywood Brown, and that is it. So when they all of a sudden have to face Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid, and Pat Mahomes in Kansas City, like that's a rude awakening to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm again going to uh, hop on the defense. Let me change it up for you. Defense isn't predictive. Past defensive outcomes are not predictive of future play. Uh, We'll just say defense is a second order concern. I mean, I don't know what it'll take, yeah, yeah. but uh, people, we, we don't mean to I actually like to say, see, I like to trigger people a little bit because I it's fun. Like, I personally enjoy it. I love seeing people get really worked up on the Internet. Yeah, it's funny. We had a, We had a really um, we had a fun um, uh, person message us on our last episode. And he was basically like, hey, I love the show. But as a former defensive player, it does trigger me a little bit. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to not listen to the show because of this, but uh, can you can you explain what you mean? And I basically was just like, well, you know, what I mean is that it's a second order. It's not the first thing you should ever think of when you try to handicap a game. Absolutely. And, and that's really what we mean. And again, you like to be you like to be a little bit inflammatory. Like and pot a little bit. And I, I just like to mute people on Twitter, which is sort of the... It, you know, it's sort of what I've had to do over the last few days. But but what we mean, we don't I mean. I haven't muted a single person. I I think it's yeah. I, I think it's hilarious. David Williams, the gracious person that that messaged us on the last PFF Shout podcast. Um, but so yeah. so those are the reasons. I, I really agree with both of those, which is you would be concerned about Andy Reid, but I do believe that this is the perfect scenario for him because he's facing a team that is explosive offensively, yeah. and is facing a team that just did. You know what almost happened to you. Yep. So it's like I think in preparing for this game, yep. he will have a like oh shit moment where he's like, we need to try and win by thirty. Yeah, and that is the ideal situation. Do you? I, I mean, the Tennessee offense is it worth saying that it's? I mean, are they overrated? Are they just not? Are they no, not I don't think they're properly over- rated. What? because no. I don't think we know that much about them given oh, sure. the two two games they've played, right? Well, no, they've played with Tannehill. They've played 12 games. Sure. I'm talking about the two playoff games. Yeah. Well, 
and there are people there are people who think so I printed you know, I tweeted out that they had a 14% chance to win the Super Bowl after they won last night and somebody's like you're not taking into account this playoff dominance and I'm like they were very good in the 10 games before like we're taking into consideration the regular season with Tannehill in which they, they were, were terrific. Yeah. So, like, I don't understand what folks are, you know, upset with. The fact is, is Kansas City is just a better football team, and that's why the market, like, you don't want to believe us, believe the betting market because that's, you know, the wisdom of the crowds. They're seven and a half point underdogs. Just like the next game we're going to talk about. If you think Green Bay is awesome and better than San Francisco, then why are they getting seven points half a season after they were only getting three? Like, San Francisco did not have a great second half of the season I don't relative. Know, man. I- Apparently, the Green Bay Packers in one game have erased yeah. the entire season. Well, and and that's the thing. So Tennessee has is a twelve game sample of Mariota, and it's been great. You mean Tannehill? No, sorry, Tannehill. Sorry, yeah, Tannehill, and it's been great. It's helped Derrick Henry. It's helped AJ Brown. It's helped even Corey Davis, um, Johnny. Yeah, all those kind of guys have been great. But I, and I don't think that they're overrated. What I think is that they're. I think that the the skepticism about them is warranted, and Kansas City has a far bigger and far more weathered experience this season and last. And that's why in this game, I think people are gravitating towards Kansas City, or at least initially, um, because we just know more outcomes with Kansas City, and they end up on the on the positive end of those outcomes more often than not. I actually really, I think I like the over almost more. Um, if I had to bet this game one way, I, I would take the over. And the reason is just what you said about Andy Reid. But I would, I could see this being a, the Chiefs get out to a big lead. They're obviously not going to take the foot off the gas. But then you do have the Titans having to throw the ball. And to me, it's like, okay, if, if Ryan Tannehill is going to get sacked a bunch of times, you've got like sack fumbles. But if he holds on to it, he's probably going deep. Those receivers can win. So... Um, I would. I don't know. Fifty-two feels low to me. I mean, are they expecting snow? Because even if so, I'm not super worried about it. Patrick Mahomes. Is yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the next game. So I guess the line for I, I was. I thought San Francisco was going to win. So I just did the two possibilities for Green Bay and San Francisco. And for Green Bay, I thought San Francisco would be favored by six and a half. And you said it's seven. It is seven. So that tells that tells you that I actually would bet. Green Bay getting seven uh, in this game. If I, I mean, absolutely I was, had to. If I was going with my my number here, um, seven though I think feels about right, and it probably goes to show that outside of Wisconsin, people probably didn't take that five point win as meaning a ton. Yep, they are going on the road. The last time they went to San Francisco. By the way, we backed Aaron Rodgers. We did. We absolutely we bet the, on the, we bet on Green Bay that night. So. One of the poorest performances in his career, but yep. that's long in the past, right? Um, now he looks awesome. I think the big difference here is that the San Francisco offense right now is is really tough to stop unless you get Jimmy G throwing straight to a linebacker. They are going to expose. Yeah every weakness that you can possibly have. And on the flip side, they're not going to allow Devontae Adams to just run free. Right? And so mm-hmm. I think they make it a little harder uh, on the Packers. Yeah. I, so here's here's the deal. So somebody was saying, you know, um, Wilson was under pressure more than half his you know, dropbacks. And, you know, I think somebody is going to project. And this is, again, why defense, when we talk about defense, doesn't matter. This is what we mean. 
Yeah, Wilson takes pressure on 23 of 43 dropbacks, over 50%. So the Packers clearly have a great pass rush, people will think. And so that projects onto San Francisco and their offensive line and their quarterback and their play caller. And if Jimmy G, I'll admit, if Jimmy G takes pressure on half his dropbacks, the 49ers are in trouble. Yep, but that's, that's not going to happen because Jimmy G does not invite opposite. does not invite pressure as as much as Wilson. He gets rid of the ball quickly. He has the lowest eight out in the league, and yeah, he'll turn the ball over a few times. He'll he'll make some head scratching throws, but it's not the same thing, right? The offense is what matters here, and I think when you look at San Francisco, um, I just I just think that they control this game, you know, on on offense to the point. Like I, I, th- I think this number's fine. Now, I'd be surprised if we were on San Francisco side from a mathematical perspective, but I do agree with it being this far out here because of uh, the relative health of San Francisco, but also um, just you know, I I just don't think that they're gonna they're gonna give the Green Bay Packers defense what Seattle gave them this game. I, I'm with you totally, and I think seven is is pretty spot on. The reason that I think seven is pretty spot on is that I still think that Jimmy G is going to give you going to give you one right, and so if that comes at the right time for the Green Bay Packers and they're able to catch it and you know take it back for a touchdown, that's a huge play, and that would be a reason why they wouldn't run away with this game. Um, what's the total at? 45, which I think feels kind of right. Yeah, I do. I, um, if we, so we're thinking about this is also, by the way, homecoming for Aaron Rodgers part two, also homecoming for Devonte Adams, former Palo Alto high school, uh, alumni. Adams kind of tanked their opportunity in that first game by getting a penalty called on him on the first catch of the game. Yeah, so like both, it's a huge redemption spot for both of those guys. I I just have a hard time seeing um, San Francisco steamrolling them the same way again, which is why I think seven feels right. The spot related stuff that we talked about on the last podcast matter. And, you know, San Francisco against Minnesota was getting a whole week off, health, and Minnesota is getting one less day off. Green Bay is getting more than a day less than San Francisco here and traveling from the central time zone to the Pacific time zone. That matters too. And and it's a, you know, it's interesting here. um, You know, that that was the case, you know, Tennessee sort of gets the flip because they were able to beat a one C they get a full day off more than uh, Kansas city will. Um, But I think that those things, if I were, if I were, let's say I made the, the line six, it, it, it being seven with all those things folded in, right. Would would I would not necessarily bet Green Bay as a result? Yeah, uh, it's tough because Green, you know, as as much as we talked about, you know, Green Bay is not as good as their record. They're not. So neither was Seattle, but Seattle was built in a way that they could always kind of keep the game close with with San Francisco, and they were able to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like if Aaron Rodgers is playing, you know at the level that he played today, that they're the same way, right? And that they're going to keep, they're going to be able to keep the game close. Cause if Jimmy Graham has a resurrection and Devontae Adams is at full health, right? Like they have that ability yeah. to just kind of like bring it back. Um, and so that's what would scare me a little bit. So I think this one is, is pretty darn efficient. I, I'm really struggling. I, if you have to go once, if you have to take one team against the spread, uh, here's the thing. It's really hard for me to, bet against Rodgers getting points 
in this spot because there's always so if Rodgers plays out of his mind, they cover this, right? If Rodgers plays averagely, they have a pretty good chance of covering this, right? Because average Rodgers, like historically, broad career, is better than Kirk Cousins. And I think if Kirk Cousins performs like an average quarterback yesterday, they probably keep the game within a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. If Aaron Rodgers plays like horse shit, like he did the last time he went to San Francisco, then it's a blowout, right? And then you have no shot. So what are the probabilities that those three, three things happen? Um in my opinion, I think that today's game was Green Bay trying to show the world, including us, that they were not the worst, you know, three and thirteen team in, in 13 the history, and three. thirteen and three team in the history of the league. And I don't know if the same, like, I mean, how motivated you have to be for an NFC Championship games, but I don't think, I don't think this is going to be some special, like, you know, kitchen sink game for for Green Bay. Well, it's just nice to know that I brought Aaron Rodgers back to life. Yes, you did, and and so then I welcome. got a lot of shit for it because apparently I was the one that said defense doesn't matter. You look, you're a partner in crime. The only thing you have going for you is that your family doesn't hate you. Oh, sure, sure. Which is interesting. I'm actually wearing a shirt that my sister just sent me. Nice, I like in it. the mail. So I like it. Uh, north North Swole. The North Swole. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, like it. It's a I like cool it. Cool shirt. Anyways, shout out to my sister, who, by the way, goes to school in Seattle and so is now trying to tell me that she may or may not be rooting for the, the Seahawks, um, which is not, not okay. From here on out, because they lost tonight. Well, right, but just in general, yeah. it's not okay. So, so if we, because we've, 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 we've forced, I think, some non-spread picks onto the article. They have, you know, the team totals, they have not. Yes. They have not. What if, so here's the scenario. What if none of these Play, none of the four picks, the total spread, have any value this week. Do we just take the week off? Well, because I, I think we will have some value. Okay, I, I feel uh, decently about the over in Tennessee, Kansas City. Um, if I had to pick both of these games against the spread, yeah, I would take. God dang it! At seven, seven and a half, half, it's tough. But I seven and a half. I would take Kansas City, and at seven, I would take Green Bay. I okay. Here's what I would do. And again, we talked about this the other day with Seattle as a teaser leg. That no, no, I'm just saying. You get yeah, to yeah, the yeah. teasers in a second. Yeah, yeah. Tell me who you'd take in each of these games. So I would take Kansas City in the over in their game. I would take Green Bay and under in the in the San Francisco game because I I do think if Green so I think this is correlated. I think if Green Bay covers this number. It's over, and I think if San Francisco covers this number, it's probably under. You know, much like the Vikings game, right? Twenty-seven ten is, I think, an outcome that can happen a lot here. Mm -hmm. But I also think Green Bay could like lose a barn burner, thirty to thirty-four, and you know the total goes over, just like we saw it tonight, right? Like the game played under the whole first half, basically, and then in the second half, you know, uh, Seattle emerged and the game went over. Well, can I? I I think a sneaky thing here is that. I believe that Kansas City's home field is super legit. Mm-hmm. Especially when, with me there. And I'm just going to say this. I would suspect that there is a decent bit of Green Bay fans that make their way. There's some Minnesota fans. In, into in, San Francisco. Yeah. Um, just because, uh, you know, they just travel well. And there's a good Green Bay following, like, all around. So right. I, I can see that happening. And so that, that sways me a little bit. 
Um, so if you take and then it, and so then, now your teaser, give me your teaser. Well, here. I mean, there's just a couple you could do here. You could tease the Chiefs through seven and three yep. down to one and a half. Correct. And you can tease San Francisco through seven and three down to one. That's basically you give up a little bit more, but you could basically just money line parlay San Francisco and Kansas City. And I believe, you know, you'd be basically you'd be getting less than even money, but it's, you know, like not the squarest thing. Um, it's not anybody's ever bet. Um, you could also and I think that this is. Yeah. So it's, it actually pays a little bit, quite a bit less than than even money. But if you do. And the other thing you could do is if you think Tennessee keeps it close or Green Bay keeps it close, you could tease both up, you know, to what it would end up being 13 and a half in both right. cases. But you don't. You don't get the key numbers necessarily. Like 10 is a key number, but it's not as big. And then you don't even get up to 14 in both of those instances. So to me, it's, it's you know, there's a there's one teaser and it's down uh, to both favorites, uh, especially in the case of Kansas City because the totals being 52. And you, when you tease games, the totals should be lower. Well, here's the thing. They are, Vegas is begging you to tease both the favorites. Uh, yeah, I mean... Right, but here, but that was less than they were last week. Oh, less, uh, sorry, more than they were last week for sure. Because Absolutely. last week they were, we saw some nine and a half. Last week there were some. The, the the both of the numbers got to sort of like teaser. Uh, you know, for a six point teaser, they got to positions where they were sort of teaser proof. You can yeah. only tease them down to minus three, which is not a good play given the number of games that land on three. Um, so with these games, you can, you know, yeah, as you said, they're they're begging you to either money line parlay the favorites. Or tease them down to one, one and a half, and if if you are if you want to see the Elvis Gerbach Bowl, I do think that that's not a terrible, you know. Yeah, Green Bay, Tennessee, uh, not the greatest potential Super Bowl. Um, San Francisco, Kansas City is the best option. You can yell at me if you want. That's what I mm-hmm. thought would happen, and uh, it's close. Um, San Francisco, Tennessee, I think would be just as awful. Uh, anything with Tennessee in it, I just don't think would be super fun. Yeah, they they did play one of the most exciting Super Bowls their first year as the Tennessee Titans. True. But yeah, I that was can't. a think about Tennessee St. Louis as that Super Bowl. Man. Can you imagine the ge- geography there? So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I I think the Packers being in the Super Bowl is always compelling for for oh absolutely much of but but obviously that requires them being San Francisco, and I think San Francisco is a is a draw a far bigger draw in many ways. Um, given their geography, Kansas City is one of the historic franchises. They were the second AF, no, yeah, the second AFL team to win a Super Bowl and yeah. sort of cause the merger um, when they beat the Vikings in, in the Super Bowl four. So, and that was their last Super Bowl. So, Kansas City right now the most likely team to win the Super Bowl by a couple of percentage points over San Francisco. Part of that right is that they're they're favored by more. Um, than t- uh, at home against Tennessee than San Francisco is against Green Bay. But also, should both those teams get there, they have the quarterback yeah, that yeah. we took first versus the quarterback that we, we took, took last, last, right? And like that just matters, and it matters a lot. And if things don't go perfectly for San Francisco, they have less of a shot of winning, whereas if things don't go perfectly for Kansas City, they have this ace in the hole that yeah, so can what, just make so it happen. Let's, let's play a little bit of a game here. So if... Let's look at the the four permutations. So Tennessee, Green Bay, what's the spread? Green Bay by three. Okay, I, I thought two and a half would okay. have been mine. Okay, um, so I'll I'll do the next one. If it's 
Green Bay versus Kansas City, I think Kansas City is laying five and a half. No, 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 no. That one, neutral field, yeah, five and a half. What do you think? I'm going to go less, and here's why. That would mean Rodgers will have beaten San Francisco. I think that uh, pushes them up. I think it's it's four and a half, four. Okay. Uh, Now, um, if it were, so we did Green Bay both times, so if it were... Uh, San Francisco versus Tennessee. Tennessee. What would you have it? I would have San Francisco by uh, seven. Okay, I thought six and a half. Okay, um, and then if it were if it were the one that the most likely situation, um, San Francisco versus uh, Kansas City. I think it would be Kansas City by three, three and a half. Wow. Okay, I think it'll be Kansas City by less than three. Okay, two and a half. So those are those are our early prognostications. Now. Now, if it's less than if it's two and a half, I would take the Chiefs. If it's three and a half, you take the Niners. And if it's three and a half, I think I would take the Niners. Yeah. And if it's three, I will wait for the game to play. And well, and know. and you know, if you've been, we've never. So the, here was an interesting thing when we talked about futures on the show. We almost never thought the Ravens were a value. I mean, early in the season, we actually had them under. We had their under win total. We had we didn't like them to win the division. We were clearly wrong about them because. Our data on Lamar showed a lot of turnover-worthy plays, yep. bad, you know, uh, bad efficiency in the passing game, and so when you were look, you know, moving forward, I was starting to get a little nervous to that. I had almost no exposure to Baltimore, but we, and then you know, the Saints flopped. Uh, but the the one that we've really said that has always had value is Kansas City. Um, if you have Kansas City, like you're in a, if you have Kansas City at you know plus six hundred, plus seven hundred, whatever it ends up being. And looking at me, they get and they get to the Super Bowl against your 49ers and and Kansas City's laying three and a half points. You are in almost a perfect spot because you can you can buy quite a bit of it back on the Niners. Let me tell you why I'm in a perfect spot, because I also have Niners futures. Well, there's that. That, That's why you uh, gobbled some of that up. Yep. So it'll be fun, man. I'm excited. We will be back with you on Thursday. We'll be packing. You'll be ready to go to Kansas City. I'm, I'm leaving Friday afternoon, so I'll be right, You got to prepare. You got to prepare. We'll get you ready my, to go. my cheese head. Yeah. That's a good look for go you. Go Packers, I guess. Uh, I, look, I, I've already said it. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't impact me at all. Mike, anything else we need to talk about? No, we're Do, good. Everything kosher? All right. All right. M- Mike is going to see McGregor. Nice this weekend so you guys are both off doing well. two heavyweights who's more likely not to make it back uh i think it's easily mike given his uh age and mike is going to vegas mike have you ever been to vegas yes okay so maybe he's a veteran you'll make it back anyways thanks guys see you For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. 
thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.